Hangout on Air is live whenever you're ready, Tom. Narwhals. Go back. Oh, just, okay. Go back All to right. the Canadian Labatt Blue Hovel you crawled out of. I will. That's right. I'll enjoy it. Back in the day, when people used cassettes, there was an A-side and a B-side. Now, aside from the homage to Tom's age, we got into yet another good discussion, which was completely unrelated to the topic at hand. Imagine that. So much so that we decided to turn it into another B-side. Enjoy this additional content, and keep an eye out for our next episode. Cheers! In church this week, I don't know if you guys are on lectionary series A, B, C, D, E, F. I don't know how many the LCMS has. There's only three, and it's series C. We're in the season of Luke, Tom. Okay, season of Luke. I don't know why I don't know this. If you're a real Lutheran, you only do the one-year lectionary, and you never rotate. That is true. (laughs) Hey, funny funny story about this Sunday, now that you bring it up, Tom. Uh, My mother-in-law was like, man, she goes, what's your favorite gospel to preach from? I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like them all. And she goes, I just feel like it's Luke. So we've been doing a lot of like focus on Luke this year. And I was like, yeah, mom. I said, we're in series C, season of Luke. Last year it was Mark. And if you noticed, a lot of the readings and preaching came from the gospel of Mark. Nice. So lay, those lay people, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. So for, so for those of you who are dying to know, the uh, there's a lectionary series, which means the readings that you hear each week, there is a set so that you kind of get the most out of the Bible, and then they they rotate it around so you get other parts of the Bible, you know, so that it's not just all Leviticus one year, you know. And so there's three series, I guess, A, B, and C. Um, okay, so this Sunday, Transfiguration. Uh, this is when Jesus goes up uh, on the mount, and and he is transfigured. He's he's glowing. Uh, he has a light switch rave going on. And um, Peter is with him, and there we go, there we go, and and so Peter's with him, and out of nowhere appears Moses and Elijah. Okay, and Jesus has a quick huddle with Moses and Elijah, and Peter's over there just looking like a dork, and then he's like, "Oh, maybe I should build some tents," and Jesus chides him for that, and that's stupid. Um, anyway. My question here is if we could just get a little science fiction-y dorky here for a second. My question is because both Moses and Elijah spoke to God, had visions of God and things like that. Is it possible that Moses and Elijah in their own time periods, when they had a vision at one of their visions were fast forwarded in a time warp to the transfiguration where they got to huddle with Jesus. And he's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your own timelines and I want you to talk about this thing. Got it, Moses. Got Elijah. Okay, break. And then they went back to their own timelines. And, and then this is the stuff that we hear about in, 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 in those particular books of the Bible. By, by vision, Is that possible? Well, first of all, let me, let me ask a clarifying question. By visions, are you referring to say Moses and the burning bush, or when God passed by him and said, "I, you know, no one sees my face and lives, and so you'll see my backside." And then for Elijah, the classic Christian meditation of he, God, did not speak in the thunder or in the storm, but with a quiet whisper, the still small voice. Is that what you're referring? Is that what you're referring to as far as like the well, visions of Moses and Elijah and the well, no, and within no, the presence that- of God, or what? Actually, I've always considered the two very different because Moses had very 
clear visible things like the burning bush a a a, a tornado of cloud or fire um, he he would go into the tent and he'd come out and his face is all shiny bright and those types of things um whereas i thought isaiah or sorry elijah had more um more visiony type of things like oh you, you know, know besides the fire that rained down and incinerated the his entire offering yeah 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 like that just, that physical thing that happened with the problem yeah, of bail it just seems like elijah had more visiony things and and Moses had more face-to-face, hey, let's go have a drink kind of conversations with well, God. Let me make a distinction here because this is good, and then we'll get to your actual question, Tom. Uh, I think really what we're trying to say here, what if, if I can summarize what you're saying, Tom, is uh, Moses experienced uh, theophanies, which are God appearing through the form of something. Uh, okay. And Elijah, it seems, experienced the power of God. Mm. and an act of God, right? Sure. So so there's like the presence of God through a particular medium, and there's the accent, actions of God and the powers of God, power of God through a particular medium. And they're not sure. necessarily the same thing. One is his presence. The other is his power would, would maybe be yeah. how I'd distinguish them. Yeah. And that's true. Okay. So, But, but e- either way, is it possible that some of their, the things that they prophesied about, both of them are prophets. Yep. Both prophesied about were given to them because they were pulled out of their their own time fast forwarded to the transfiguration jesus gave them instructions and then they were looped back and and that's what we hear about so i you know what's funny i'll put it this way tom is it possible i guess god can do whatever he wants right is it biblical does it seem to make sense with how we understand god works typically no i think it's weird and hilarious uh i mean no offense to your question but i I, that doesn't seem to line up with how god does things and uh there's no biblical evidence of that whatsoever yeah and well and yet to your point tom uh the one of the common denominators here is that Jesus, when he reveals the glory of God um, briefly to Peter, James, and John, and in speaking with Moses and Elijah. Um, and Andrew. Everyone forgets Andrew. Is Andrew up there too? Oh, boy. I could be wrong. I may just eat. I'm pretty right sure it's now. just Peter, James, and John. I think he's got the four. Those are his boys. I'll look okay, it up. You, you look talking. this up. Yeah, you look this up while, while I bring this up uh, because it's actually quite a funny story because uh, it harkens back to these theophanies that Gabe was referring to in which the glory of God or the, his Shekinah, all right, was made present. Uh, the reason I bring that up as a funny story is because at my grandmother's church in California, when they started their contemporary worship service, guess what the praise band named themselves? Oh, gross. Was it Shekinah? Yep. So every single time the pra- uh, the contemporary service was playing, you'd be like, oh, is it sh- is Shekinah playing this Sunday? And I want to be like, you know what? This is where we just go too far with some of these, these biblical words. But anyway, Tom. Is that to, like Shakira's to... sister or? I Anyway. Ah, but... farts. It is just the three of them. Yep. Well, we know who the true biblical scholar is now. Tom, yeah. not Gabe. Tom. Yeah. Okay. No, but, but seriously, what you raise is an interesting point because when Jesus reveals the glory of God, right? Uh, 
you know, it's it's a weighty, it's a heavy thing. That's what the word glory means and conveys with it. And we what we see and what we're promised, at least post-resurrection, is that we will also receive God's glory. We'll be glorified if we with are in glorified Christ. glorified bodies, right. Right, yeah. with glorified bodies, right? And so when Moses and Elijah appear so in a glorified state, much like Jesus, and so it raises the question, okay, are, have Moses and Elijah not teleported kind of back and forth throughout time and space, but have they already received their glorified bodies? Have they already received um, the benefits of the great resurrection in which all the dead will be raised and those in Christ will receive the glorified bodies, you know, to live to life everlasting? And then the other ones, if, according to Gabe and, well, as of recently, me, will eventually be destroyed. Annihilationism! Um just listed among one of many heterodox positions that Josh Woodrow holds. All right. But, but I mean, really, this is the question at hand is like, so Moses and Elijah, have they somehow uh, fast forwarded, so to speak, in the, in the continuum of human time and space, worldly creation, time and space, having received, you know, the bodily resurrection, the great resurrection at the return of Christ, and then, you know, transcended our time and space because they're with Christ and they are there with God and, you know, well, and so I, I mean, I don't know, like th this is the question I think. Well, and Josh, here's, here's why that's plausible uh, to let the good listener know um, is that you, you have Elijah, who's uh, one of the few folks in the old Testament who doesn't die. So he gets taken up into the clouds in this fiery chariot, right. Is, is, is what the text would tell us. And so, so he doesn't die. And then you have Moses who like, when he, is done with his ministry it sort of seems like he dies and it sort of seems like what just happened like it's 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 weird and so it's possible that he doesn't either um and so you know all, all that to say um that it's maybe not an accident that it's these two prophets because it's weird that it's elijah right like moses very big deal Elijah is actually not that big a deal of a prophet. Like, why not Isaiah? Why not Samuel? Why not Jeremiah? Jeremiah? Why right. not Ezekiel? Like, like he's not. Like he doesn't even have his own book. Um, yeah. And and so so the logic would be well maybe it's these two because they're the ones that like they haven't died and so they just kind of somehow already got their resurrection bodies so they've been chilling um, with with God and then they just. Come and hang out with Jesus for a minute. Okay. The the difficulty with that is if you look at the spectrum of the biblical narrative, they're they're outliers. Like mm -hmm. every everyone dies in the Bible. Yep. Right? Except for Moses and Elijah. Or and uh, the for sure. Students. We're all huh? gonna die. Oh gosh. Okay. For sure, Elijah. But Moses, let's just leave, you know, the the mystery and everything, right? Uh huh. Uh surrounding his death. And so the bigger question is, if we look at the eschatological hope, the promise of, of resurrection, Jesus's return, balanced with the fact that you've got promises of Jesus that say, when you die, you, you know, that we will be with him uh, in paradise, you know, among other kinds of, uh, you know, references to the afterlife. You, we, you've got this weird sort of space that that exists, and that is you've got those who have died, who have received their their crown of life. I mean, they're not just kind of hanging out in some weird limbo, right? But those of us who are still 
in in this world constrained by by the limitations of time and space on earth we have not experienced the great resurrection the great resurrection yeah and so for those who have died have they already experienced the resurrection of the of the dead um and when they return then we and, and when jesus comes back and enters once again into our time and space like he promised at the ascension that you know we will see the son of man descending like he ascended then all of a sudden are we all caught up in this like great collision of you know the this yeah. la lack of lack of uh of uh constraint in time and space by god and then all of a sudden those of us who are constrained by time and space as creatures does that just then all of a sudden you know collide and then disappear or you know what happens to the dead when this has happened are they waiting i mean like you know it's like there's this weird suspension of time and space with god because he exists outside of time and space yet at the same time he chooses to send jesus into our time and space and act in there yeah act in there and you've got peter james and john who encounter like that weird phenomenon of the outlier of moses and elijah who seem to kind of defy all these rules or rules or, or all this logic you know yep and that's where I think, man, like, I mean, in one sense, like, obviously it's a mystery we can't know. Uh, check. Uh, but but I, I don't know. To to your point on, like, so as I was thinking it through, I was, like, trying to think through, like, timelines. Like, So, like, let's just, for instance, uh, both my, my grandfathers are dead. And, and so, you know, if we would say, well, they're dead. And so let's say when you die, since you kind of transcend time and space at that point, that in eternal life, they just kind of wake up in the resurrection of the dead. Like they're, they're already there. So are they like hanging out with me right now? Cause they're outside of time and space, even though I'm not there. But then what does that mean when like, let's say that they're now and Jesus to Josh's point, um, clearly says like, I'm gonna come back while people are still living. I'm going to descend the way I ascended. And, um, and like some people are going to see it. And so then it's like, let's say the three of us, um, are still alive when Jesus comes back. So then it's like, w what's up with my grandpa? Like, has he been hanging out with Jesus and and not me? So he sort of transcended time and space, but but didn't completely. Or or is he like already there and they're waiting for the rest of us? That doesn't make sense, right? Like it's a moment where we're all raised up. So I don't know. I think I'm talking in circles, but and confusing myself. So if anyone has any clarity on this. finally done it i've dumbfounded us nope tom's mic must be muted because i could see his mouth moving but no oh, sound yes. was coming All oh right. there he is welcome back tom dang it i uh, it's like i've never done a podcast before so neither have we. the way i've always thought about this from what i understand from scripture from maybe some of the offline conversations that we've had i've i've always had this picture of heaven of like or or the resurrection of when jesus the the clouds part and the trumpets sound and um you know, for those who are earth at that time, that that everyone who has come before, who has died and and whatnot, you know, everyone gets fast forwarded to this one point. And because it's a big deal, it's not I mean, this this Jesus returning triumphant is is the big thing. Right. Yep. And so it seems weird that that some people get to experience that and others have already, you yeah, know, already right. there. So, like, we all come together you know, because God can do anything. He, he fast forwards everybody to one point And like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, Jesus is here. And I look to my left and there's your grandpa, you know, yeah. and there's Moses or maybe Moses isn't a bad example because he's that outlier or whatever, but like David and 
all the other people in the Bible and everybody who's come before. And we all get to see Jesus come back. He separates the wheat from the chaff, the goats from the sheep and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we all get to hop on an angel's back and fly up to heaven. And it's great. And, and then, yeah. And eternal life starts and, and, and that's how it is. The funny thing to me is that like, we're like, yeah, that could work. And we're talking about these different things. But Moses and Elijah teleporting forward to the transfiguration, that's beyond comprehension. Well, I mean, let's throw an even larger wrench into this conversation, right? Because we've been talking about Moses and Elijah as outliers. Who okay. Elijah for sure, Moses up in the air, may or may not have – or did not die, right? Elijah did not die. Moses may or may not have died. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you've got Gabe's grandpas who are dead. As with many of our relatives, okay. Thanks for reminding him. Yeah, I know. I, wow. I, I really need to work on my sensitivity training. Uh-huh. I'm such a jerk. I'm sorry. Uh, but then, what about you've got a couple of really odd situations in Scripture. One being Lazarus, all right, who mm-hmm. has been dead for four days, and then Jesus raises from the dead, okay. And then you also have in the Lucan account, since we're in series C and in this year of Luke, um, that at the crucifixion when Jesus dies. There are it's not those... in Luke, it's in Matthew. Oh. It's in Matthew. So you bet. Are you sure? Well, look at that. Because two... I'm just I, I'm just gonna I'm just I already looked. I'm just gonna the jump two... in for you here. The um, two you're the biblical scholar tonight. I know the I two trained theologians are just like striking out, showing our true colors here. Yeah, the, the, the gospel of Andrew. I think colors it's in there. shining um. through. I'll jump in for Josh here. What if you would stop singing? Just how many episodes do we have you guys poorly singing? It's got to be one. All of them. I don't think there's any with us poorly singing. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We're releasing the Pine Glass Preachers album on the next episode. Stay tuned. (laughs) Write us a review. You know, do nothing like always. (laughs) Anyway. anyway, Josh. Yes. Matthew 27. At the moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs were broke open. The bodies of many holy people, and specifically holy people, who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went in the holy city and appeared to many people. Okay, we'll get to Lazarus here in a sec, but... The th- this is this is fascinating that the that these holy people were raised went into the city so there there was physicality to them right they weren't just like weird spirit ghosts floating around scaring the crap out of people but these yep. were people that 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 maybe were known maybe I don't had, know I mean I I don't know I don't know either but so interestingly enough um, have either of you guys been to Israel never no okay all right so there's this really cool. Well, I shouldn't say it's cool, but it's just fascinating. If you're up on the Mount of Olives, you're actually looking down upon the city of Jerusalem, just like the Bible, just like the Bible describes it. And in between the Mount of Olives and the city of Jerusalem, you have the Kidron Valley. And then you've got the hillside on the Mount of Olives that leads down into the Kidron Valley. And there's a huge swath of the hillside, the lower hillside of the Mount of Olives, covered raised sarcophagi. Um, they look like these stone you know, um, coffins or tombs, but they're not buried and they're not in a wall like we see here in the States. And if you look down, it's confusing at first, unless you know what's going on, but there are all kinds of rocks like that people seemingly have placed on top of the lids of these sarcophagi. And it's because in Jewish tradition that when Messiah returns, right, he will raise the dead. And so the rocks are placed on there so that 
when the dead are raised, they can look back at these sarcophagi lid and say, oh, Messiah must have arrived because those rocks that we've placed on top were removed and the lids have been opened and the dead have been raised, right? So you've got this, this belief that Messiah will actually raise the dead from, from the tombs um, when at his arrival. I mean, you know, there's no like definitive time or prophetic kind of like, you know, timeline to that. So you've got these dead grave and they were raised and then appearing to others and then you have lazarus to return back to him for a second who was dead for four days then raised so it begs a question does lazarus die again so he's raised from the dead does he get to be like moses and elijah and just not die or does he re-die and do these who were raised from their tombs at the crucifixion when the temple is torn in two do they kind of go bear witness to whatever just happened, and then they end up dying again? Have they experienced the resurrection? Did they like get the short end of all sticks and experience the resurrect the great resurrection and then get sucked back into this uh the liminality of our time and space? I mean, like th these are really bizarre situations. Yeah, and and I mean I think it's like to me too, I think about it where it's like, let's say, I mean, so I assume my gut's always been like Lazarus dies again, right? Like I remember hearing a talk by uh, the apologist Ravi Zacharias where he's like, can you imagine trying to frighten Lazarus? Like, you know, Caligula's the emperor of Rome and he's like, hey, I'm killing all the Christians. And he tells Lazarus, I'm going to kill you. And Lazarus just being like, okay. <laughs> like, been there, done Rome, that. Like, that's fine. Um, you know, so so my gut is that that he dies again, um, and then it's like, well, why don't we hear about him more? You know, like where's he at on Pentecost, etc. I don't know. Maybe he was boring after that. They're like, yeah, we get it. You died, came back. We're very proud of you. <laughs> I don't know. But but then but then what do you do with these like a seemingly a decent number of people of holy people that rose from the dead? That to me is more problematic. That's where I'm like, dude, I don't know. Um, do they, did they, were they like, all right, cool. We did our creepy thing. We're going to go back into our graves now. And like, see, I, I, it's part of me, I mean, now that we're talking about it, it, it almost, I don't want to say it negates what the original question or, or it kind of undermines what both you and I gave were sort of proposing in the sense of, you know, this weird, I don't want to say gap in like the time space continuum because that sounds really Star Trek y. Uh, although I do love Star Trek, and that'd be sweet if there was like an alternate universe. All right, but or next generation or Deep Space Nine. <laughs> uh, I did not. I did not like Deep Space Nine at all. I was a big time Next Generation fan and Voyager fan. Oh, all right. And actually, the new one on CBS is pretty good. I've heard that. Yeah, it's actually really quite nice. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, live long and prosper. There you go. Throw it up. Okay, all of our listeners at home, please give us a Vulcan greeting. Right now, take a picture, text it to 612-208-6258. First one to text that in, we'll get nothing, but kudos from us. Yep. But back to the topic of this B-side is what throws a, a, a wrench into this whole thing is that I forgot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Star Trek. Excellent. What was Excellent. I saying about this? the time-space continuum? Yeah, the the wrench is that these like we're saying, listen, Moses and Elijah, Transfiguration, they're there. That, that's right. That's right. We, we can't. Yeah, ex died. yeah. 
this seems to be like a reminder that there will be just one day, the great day, according to a lot of the prophets, the great and terrible day, according to other prophets, Jesus refers to it as, you know, his return in the singular. And so this situation that Matthew recounts seems to be problematic in saying that we can somehow like your grandpa, Z uh, the other people who have died in the faith somehow like experience a great resurrection and then we all get caught up into it outside of time and space. Does that yeah. make sense? Does that work? I don't know. I think it works. I think it works. I think also though, too, I think it works, Josh. It also speaks to me of a book that you and I both read in the last couple of years here uh, called Encountering Jesus, Encountering Scripture. And mm. it's kind of, remember that? And so good. Dude who basically... I, love, I mean, I think we both loved it because this guy basically sort of reads through the Gospels through the lens of Kierkegaard. Um, and but but his point, the majority of his point is like. Jesus was actually the Messiah that no one expected, and it's not like he's not like being, I don't know, primitive saying that he's saying like. Literally, like, so, for example, when it says like when Matthew when, you know, when Jesus and his family um, escaped to Egypt, when Herod's offing all the kids um, and, and Matthew's like to fulfill the prophecy out of Egypt, I have called my son like a hundred percent that prophecy, which is from some minor prophet. That's not Jonah. Um, he, uh, that, that prophecy had nothing to do with the Messiah. It was talking about, it was like recounting Israel being delivered from slavery and so, so this guy's point in this book is like that when people encountered Jesus, they all of a sudden were like, how do we even make sense of what we assumed things were going to be based on a pretty plain reading of scripture? Like not trying to, they weren't trying to be fancy with it. They're just like, this is what it said, but this is what's happened. And so now we have to adapt to that and it's tricky. And, and so in the same way, I, I feel like, I don't know, that's what the gospel writers are doing with these people rising from the dead and maybe not letting us know. And part of what we need to do, too, as we encounter something like this is say, like, I don't know, it doesn't really add up in my psyche and, and in my my mind. And, it, and uh, but whatever, I guess I just have to make sense of it somehow. And, so and I don't. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's just fideism. I think it's just. No. So, I mean, what you're saying is actually the most orthodox position to hold that mm -hmm. Jesus is literally the great wrench that screws everything up in the best possible sense, because he's divine, he's mysterious, he's miraculous, and he's incomprehensible. Dis you know, like we can take him at face value in a clear reading of scripture in the sense of like, he is Messiah. Yet at the same time, we can't unravel exactly who he is mm -hmm. to these kind of minute levels. You know what I mean? We just sort of there, – there comes a point with with everything encompassing Christ in, in his person and in his work that we just have to be like, you know what? This doesn't make sense, but if I believe him to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the second person of the Trinity – I mean, I'm just going to have to take him for his word, ride with him, and await that trumpet call. Mm. No, that wasn't Jesus coming back. That was me and Gabe making trumpet sounds. That's the beauty of, of our 
part of faith is is that there are things about God that we aren't going to understand. There are things that we are told about God that we still can't quite fathom. I mean, the resurrection of someone who has died and is now alive again, that, that flies in the face of science. It flies in the face of everything that we know to be true on, on our earth. But that's because we have the, this person is a is God and he can do whatever he wants. And if he wants to teleport Elijah and Moses forward to the transfiguration, he can, even though we probably didn't, that's probably not what happened, but he can do these things. And we have to accept that because he is God and he does miraculous things. And he does those miraculous things for us. Amen. Thanks for preaching your first sermon, Tom. Actually, that's after you nail in all the scripture. You're really, You've just, Pastor Tom. Man, we got to change that. My first, first sermon, but it's going to be <laughs> three pastors walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs>